It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gunas podcast. Um, fresh off the fight card, you know, midweek games is um it's lively. There's a, there's a few games on right now, some big score lines, some big goals, but you know, we're here to talk about Arsenal, you know, um off the back of a 2-0 win against Newcastle. But before we get into it, some minor housekeeping. Thank you everyone for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, watching on Twitter. Uh, make sure you drop us a comment. If you have any questions, drop us a comment. We'll try and get to them. But big up all the listeners, um, everyone that is um, tuning in. So to this week, it's your boy Dan Coogs on hosting duty. Uh, I'm joined by Sean. How you doing? All good, man. All good, bro. And Doc Lee, how you doing as well? To be honest, I'm vexed. I- I'm vexed because this bastard, Tobias, whatever his name is, whatever team he supports, He's moving like a pagan. He's doing his fucking best Mike Dean impression on us on the fight card. He is taking the living piss. There is no objectivity in what he, I'm so pissed off because we should have won that fight card. We don't even call him, don't even call him Tobias. Yeah, call him Olua Tobiloba. You know, ah. he's got a name, you know. I mean, yeah. He's a criminal oh, He's moving like a passenger, you know, with that, with that uh that 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 governing of that, that uh, I, I, I mean, after flipping, what's his name? Babs, aka Babylon Lover, aka whatever his name is. He's. I, I don't think we get a worse host than that. But no, nah, Tobes to, took the cake. Still, he's taking the piss, man. Yeah, he's a criminal. He's a criminal. I've got the receipts as well, so I know that he wasn't. Um, he wasn't keeping it real. So you know, that's cool. That's cool. We'll move on. We'll take it. Hopefully, we'll grab the the three points um, tomorrow. Uh, so, so the fight card, we can we can laugh at that in the future. But you know, we just come off a, a, a two 0 win at home versus Newcastle. I think there's a few talking points from this um, from this game as well. So, you know, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, you know, two 0 Doc Lee, we've not heard from you in a little while. You know, you've been busy. You've been out there saving lives. You know, we appreciate all of that. Um, clap for the NHS, all of that stuff. Um, so let's get your thoughts on this game. I guess you know. Let's 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 update the listeners with your opinions about Arteta as it currently stands. You know, where they are sitting fifth in the table, on minus two goal difference. Um, some results went our way uh, today. So, so what's your opinions on Arteta and how we're looking at the moment? 
Well, looking at the game, I actually quite enjoyed this game because what we've been asking for is can we camp teams in? Can we keep possession? Can we keep teams under pressure? Now, even though we didn't sort of have that cutting edge in the final third, I felt we did that a lot better. And I feel that, especially over the last few weeks, barring obviously the, the Liverpool game and stuff in the last few games, we've been creeping up the pitch a bit and we've been really a lot better at putting teams under pressure and sort of keeping the, like, like the Watford game, etc., just keeping them on, under. So that's all positive, to be honest, in my opinion. And I'm liking that evolution. Now, in terms of Arteta, um, I, get, I guess the jury's still out because we've seen a lot of stuff. But when we look at how he's transformed the team and he's got new players in, I'm really liking how, what we're doing in terms of our back five because it seems that Arteta and Edu, or whoever's responsible, we've signed really t- tall, physical players who are technically rounded. So all the players who are in that position can do a lot of stuff. And that is really, really helping us in terms of playing out from the back and in terms of build-up. In both ways, really, because they're not going to get run backwards. They're not going to get run ragged. They're not going to get spun out of their socks. All of them uh, can defend 1v1. All of them are reasonably quick. And all of them are comfortable on the ball. And, and apart from maybe Gabriel with his right foot, but all of them can use both feet. So they, they could do a lot of stuff in build-up and then they don't get run around the other way. And they're allowing us to push up the pitch because none of them, um, they all have recovery pace as well. So I'm, I'm liking the look of that. So defensively, and obviously Ramsdale's been doing his thing, defensively, we're, we're looking pretty good, actually. And um, obviously outside the Liverpool game, because you need more than just the defensive unit to be good to, to keep Liverpool out. I, I feel like we're building something really good. And it'll be interesting to see if we can change the players in the midfield and the attack and see if we can have that same kind of upgrade. Um, like I said, the jury's still out because we still can't create chances and I still feel that if we look at the, the players that we have on the pitch in terms of the quality that we have and in terms of the profile that we have, we're, we're underperforming. We're underperforming what we should be doing with that level of quality. So he's still got to fix that for me. Um, who knows if that will come? Who knows if that won't? But um, I'm, I'm not turned around yet. I'm not like, he's not doing anything that has convinced me as, as yet. But we... we because we're defensively solid and we're building off a solid base, you can see we're not going to lose stupid games that that we should do. I mean, you're obviously going to lose one now and again, but we're, we're not giving away stupid things, so we're going to lose dead games. So hopefully, provided we keep tight at the back, one of our forward players should have the quality to do something. And if we get lots of 1-0s, 1-1s, 2-1s tight game, you can see us now actually sort of playing at par and beating the, a lot of the teams that we should beat because we're not throwing in the goals and balls into our own net, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair play. I think you you raised um, a few good points there. You know, um, I think the first one about, you know, sort of how we're looking against some of these um, smaller teams is a bit more encouraging. Um, I think from the start of the season, a lot of our criticism was really around, you know, putting these teams to the sword. And I think from minute one against Newcastle, I think we did look a little bit better. I don't think Newcastle had much of a threat against us, um, you know, because even though they are poor defensively, they had come into this game scoring more goals than us. I think Callum Wilson, we all know he can find the the score sheet. Um, St. Maximan, dangerous. Joe Willock, not been great this season, but we know that he's got a goal in him. And I think we really sort of limited them to, um, to to very few, if any, chances. I think that's reflected in the the XG, all of the touching units, FB ref um, shouts. I'm not going to, you know, um, dispel them anytime soon. When I'm looking at this Newcastle team, um, when their XG, I think at the end of this was 0.19 uh, over the 90 minutes. So, you know, Sean, I'll, I'll invite you into this conversation. Um, how do you think, you know, as a team, how are we looking? What's your evaluation of us at this current point? Yeah, I, I think I think defensively we look we look good. Um, I'm actually I've really got no qualms about the defense, um, and but and to an extent I'd expect not to because that's where Arteta has chosen since he's been here to focus most of his energy in terms of acquisitions and in terms of his um, expenditure. So. It's good to see that, you know, overall his signings, um, especially from a defensive standpoint, uh, 
you know, up to par um, and, you know, uh, making the sort of right impact that we'd hope to expect. You know, Leroy referenced the fact that, you know, we've got players who are ambidextrous, comfortable on both feet and build up. So that makes Arsenal harder to press. It makes it harder to pin Arsenal back. Um, and then going forward, it will allow us to become a team that can sustain and push teams back because, you know, Arsenal have various different methods of now getting out and, and building play. So um, so it's positive. It's positive. Um, I feel, yeah, obviously, you know, the, the bits about the attack, I thought... Um, Lewis Ambrose, LG Ambrose on Twitter wrote a really good tactics piece actually analysing um, the Newcastle game at the weekend and he said Arteta was getting a bit creative with the structure. I thought, and especially in the second half, you know, I noticed that, you know, we, we know Arteta's very, you know, he's a, he's a proponent of, um, you know, positional play, um, players holding their positions and having that five lanes of attack. But um, what was interesting, I think, you know, Lewis referenced the fact that, especially in the second half, um, even though, you know, the players were still supposed to hold, you know, the five different lanes, players moved about within that five lanes. So even though you're holding that structure, there's there's a bit more um, flexibility, hopefully building, um, and we can see more of it in the attacking structure. So, you know, we spoke about Nuno Tavares because he's a bit more unpredictable. He's comfortable coming in on his right foot. Um, so that opens up the pitch a bit more in the centre of the field. So having someone who can carry from deep through the middle, through the centre, um, opens up different angles and different lanes. Um, and, you know, also we saw um, Saka drifted over to the left quite a few times in this game as well. So if you think of the chance that Oba had in the first half that he should have scored, that came from Saka um, popping up on the left and Lukonga, you know, playing a nice reverse pass and he dinked that over. Um, and then obviously Aubameyang should have scored. But also um, we saw um, the goal, the first goal came from, you know, link up between Smithrow, Tavares and Saka. That was very much a, a Wenger type goal as well. So I I, I think, you know, a, a way to extract more, obviously we know we need more in terms of personnel and better quality up front, but being a bit more flexible in terms of what we see up top, letting the players rotate, letting them combine a bit more, um, you know, and, and I think it to a point, um, we started to get in the moment Saka and ESR were able to combine more. We know those two have a very good relationship on the pitch. We know those two are always making opposite movements to each other. So they're very complementary type um, of pieces. So I, I thought that worked really, really well. Um, and, you know, especially when you're trying to combine with someone, ESR is very much a combination player because he's always looking to have a give and go and then moving behind. Um and, you know, I think Arteta alluded to it as much in the post-match press conference. He said we attacked the space a bit better in the second half as well. So, you know, there, there were better rotations and players were moving off the ball a bit more. And, you know, especially at home against, you know, teams who defend in a deep block, you need that sort of um, quick give and go to get in behind, you know what I mean, to destabilise those sort of teams who sit deep. And, you know, Wenger was always a proponent of it. You know, he used to stack the teams with technicians and, he, you know, Basically, we would be camped in in the final third and look to have like little give and goes, little combinations to open those teams up. So, um, you know, we've got Saka in ESR. I'd still like another type um, of player like that as well. So, um, you know, and hopefully Odegaard comes to the party more. But I think we saw a bit more flexibility um, in terms of the creative structure in the final third on Saturday. And I thought, yeah, Lewis did well to highlight that. And hopefully that can become more of a feature, especially in home games where teams sit deep. So, yeah. You're, you're a me, bro. You're, you're a me, bro. Me, yeah, I think that's a really, really good point that you you raised there um, about the the flexibility in the attack because you know, Shell, and I think you were probably one of the most vocal people um, last season under Arteta's reign when it comes to you know how rigid and structured that attack might look. You know, all of us we've been brought up on this Wenger style. You know, third man runs, people rotate in position. You're seeing Ashley Cole pop up in the middle, you're seeing Vieira run beyond the attackers and all that stuff. And, you know, seeing this sort of um, juego de position stuff, you know, the Pep Guardiola, the positional play, that's not stuff that we're necessarily used to as Arsenal fans. And one thing that I think was particularly interesting about this game in particular was seeing, um, you know, and what we've seen a little bit since I think Nuno Tavares has been in the team, um, and with Saka, especially Saka and Smith-Rowe, they are quite comfortable to, um, you know, sort of break structure, pop up in different positions. So you look at this Newcastle match, and I think our best chance in the, chance in the first half came from um, Bukai Saka popping up on the left, them combining, he's crossed it in, uh, Smith-Rowe has the head on, and Aubameyang unfortunately misses the, 
you know, the sitter, you know, probably that's probably the best chance of the game um, that he's missed and he hits the post. And that's come from, you know, Saka deciding, right, I'm not getting the ball here on the right-hand side. I'm going to pop up on the left. And then obviously his goal is quite similar. He moves over to that side. There's a, a much bigger overload there with Tavares, Smith-Rowe and Saka. He gets to re reverse ball and then he obviously slots it. And then for our second goal, um, you see Martinelli moving from the right, that out to in run. Um, and uh, Tomiyasu is able to play a very good ball over the top and he slots it. So, you know, it seems to me that in attack, we're seeing a lot of these things that I think as a podcast, we've asked for a bit, you know, because last season, I think we were very poor on set pieces. Um, that was a, an easy win. We've improved on set pieces, attacking set pieces in particular. Um, we've improved on that. We've got a few goals of set pieces. Um, our pressing, we weren't really a very good pressing team last year. Um, and it seems that we're pressing a lot more now. And then in this game, we're seeing a lot more rotation of position um, in terms of those attacks. Because, you know, if you look at uh, Manchester City, who um, I think probably in the world right now, they're the best sort of positional play team that you can find. That you can find. Um, if you look at their goals in the Champions League, where, you know, players are running from out to in, they're getting, they're popping up, they're finding positions. Whoever's playing false nine, they pop up on the left, they pop up on the right. Um, that is something that I think we have been missing as a side. So, you know, there's all about this positional play, but where you really excel is when players find themselves in different zones. Defenders don't really know who's going to track them, who's going to follow them. And you end up creating a lot more space um, in that attack. So, you know, I think it's 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 a space for optimism. It's a it's a reason for optimism um, in seeing these developments in the attack. Um, and I want to talk a little bit. So, you know, um, before I get into individual performances on this game, I do want to talk a little bit about you know how the table is shaping up. Right. So, there's been a few uh, results today. Um, I think West Ham drew a uh, late winner from Brighton. Um, Everton lost. Um, Spurs had their game postponed. Um, but it seems like, you know, top four right now is wide open. You know, we're five points ahead of United. If we beat them, um, we move eight points clear of them. Um, and I think we move directly into the top four with a win. Um tomorrow. So I want I want you guys' opinions on, you know, how do we approach this season? What do you think our target should be? So let's, let's forget what we think the club's target should be, but what do you think our targets should be given how the season has shaped up? Because I know a lot of us, I don't think anyone predicted us to finish above sixth, but where we find ourselves now, do you think that's a, a, a time for introspection, a time to sort of reevaluate um, how we approach this season. Lee, I'll, I'll come to you first. Well, I think that there is clearly three teams in this league that are clear of everyone else. After those three teams, no one is clear of anybody. And it really just, the like, I think it's going to be really tight in that whole batch of teams underneath them. So you can imagine, even though I don't particularly rate us, I can imagine finishes, us finishing anywhere from fourth to eighth or ninth. Wouldn't surprise me. Now, in terms of where we should target and how what we should sort of be aiming for this season, I feel like it's really difficult to set overall targets at the moment because of that, the closest of that batch, and we don't know how things are going to go, particularly with AFCON, etc. And I and I know it sounds cliche, I'll be taking it one game at a time. Um, we, we play one time a week. That That's a real positive at the moment. And we should be looking to win pretty much every single game. Like, apart, I mean, obviously, apart from the, the big teams away, we should be looking to, even if we get the cities and Liverpools at home, we should be trying to nick a draw, even though they're clear of us. Every other team, we should be trying to beat. Um, and if we... And if we do that and just take it one game at a time, who knows where we'll finish? Like I'm saying, it's not impossible we finish in the top four. It's not impossible at all. My big concern comes at AFCON time because we, they're going to miss a lot of games. And I do not see us lasting with Lukonga and Amen as our 
two midfield choices. I know Shaka might be back, but it's going to take him a while to get up to speed. He's going to have been out for, what, three months plus? Um, also, as we've seen in terms of the evolution of the team, even though some of our midfielders have been underperforming, the profile of the midfield is a little bit different, where it's a little bit more mobile, and they're, they're playing different types of passes. Like, where Lekonga is has been quite good is he, he's been playing different types of passes in Shaka plays. It's a lot shorter. He's a lot more mobile. It's a lot more sort of straight through the middle of the pitch rather than sort of out to the left back and left half space. Um, and I think that that's quite helpful for the team. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting how we get through AFCON. I feel like how we navigate this Christmas period, obviously, with um, a busy team, because our first 11 is pretty solid. So when we have to take people out and put people in, how we manage that is going to be interesting. The second part is how we manage AFCON. And if we, one, do anything in January, even if it's just for bodies, just to bring in someone in that centre midfield area um, and how we're going to get goals without Aubameyang. If we navigate Christmas well and we navigate um, the, what's this called? Um, the AFCON period well, then we're bang on. But I, I've got a bit of a fear that we're going to massively fall off in, in, in those two periods when we have to start subbing people in and out of the team in Christmas and then AFCON, we're, we're, we're left threadbare a bit without any kind of backup in Jan. You're, you're on, yeah. let, me play, let me play devil's advocate a bit um, on this because if we look at the players that are going AFCON, we've obviously got um, Thomas Partey, um, who uh, people have been questioning his level of performance of late. Um, we've obviously got Abamyang, who I think falls into that same bucket. People have been saying he he's not quite up to it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, then, then the other two is Pepe, um, who we can all agree is a bum, um, not really up to the level. And then El Neni, who has barely featured um, this season. So if you're looking at it and you say, right, so Parte comes out and Jack comes in, and then Abamian goes out, and then you play Lacazette up front, and then you probably bring in someone like Martinelli um, on the right side. Um, do you think that's that big of a blow um, for us to cope during January? Um, yeah, because even though Party has flattered to deceive and has probably not reached the heights that a lot of us expected of him, the mere fact that he, the, even a, like a six out of ten party game, is clear of everyone else. It's clear of everyone else in terms of his ball progression, in terms of um, his ball winning, in terms of how many recoveries he makes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No one else comes close. So without party, I don't care. Even if he's not like 100%, even if he's not firing as we expect, he, he makes us a better team. Um, Aubameyang, similar thing. Even though Aubameyang's not firing, who else actually looks a threat? Apart from obviously first man runs from ESR, etc. Maybe Saka popping up. Who else actually looks like they're going to score a goal? Uh, if we put Lacquer up there, um, there's no change in the rest of the team because I feel like there'd have to be a, a different wide men in terms of Martinelli would have to come in wide or something like that. If we just put Lacazette up there, I really think that we will be even easier to squeeze up on because when, when Lacazette has, has no threat in behind and if you've got three ball players behind him, you're too easy to squeeze up on. And then I think that teams will literally just take that as an opportunity, step 10 yards forward, and we really struggle to score goals. I think even though Aubameyang is not performing, he at least provides some kind of threat in behind. And mm. at least it's... But just because his presence there means, as a defender, you're like, okay, I'm going to respect you. I, I'm not going to step up and I'm not going to squeeze up that much. Do you know what I mean? So I, I feel like it will make a big difference and a big impact, even though those two players may not be fit and firing at the moment. Mm. Okay, and Sean, I'll ask you the same question. So around our top four chances, because you know we've been chatting about this all day um, in the Touchy Gunas group, you know, and um, I think you were probably on the other side saying that it's too early to talk about top four. Um, so let's let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I, and I tend to sit on that side at the moment. So our next eight games, um, we have four at home and four away. Um, so obviously we've got United tomorrow and Everton away on Monday. Um, and then, you know, we've got some decent fixtures. They're winnable, but, you know, uh, I think as, as Leroy alluded to, I feel like Arteta's got like a, a batch of like 11 to 13 players he might trust. 
But, you know, if any of them start to pick up niggles or you're out for a significant period of time, then, you know, the level of quality we have to replace isn't necessarily what we'd want. Um, so, yeah, as, as cliche as it is, as Leroy said, I'm just taking it one game at a time and we'll evaluate where we are in Jan. I said if we come out of this eight-game stretch period and we have City, I think, at home on New Year's Day, if we're either in and around the top four, I think I might start to reevaluate my options. But at the moment, I agree. I think it's a bit too clustered um, from West Ham in fourth all the way down to, like, tenth. Like, you know, you just win a couple games in your position, but you can rise up. Um, and at the same time, you can just drop down. So, um, so, so we'll, we'll see how it sort of pans out. Um, to your point about, you know, the players missing from the squad, I think, um, you know, I sort of slightly disagree with Leroy about, you know, I think, say if Laka goes up top, I think the players around him sort of adapt and change their game because they know the type of player Laka is. So if you remember, like, last season, you know, when Laka was playing up top, Saka was running in behind loads. You know, ESR, we've seen he can move in behind loads, especially when he was playing at 10, he was running off Laka as well. So I just think dependent on, you know, you sort of know the quality of the player you have and then you adapt, you know, stylistically the, the, the game around it as well. Because um, even so, you know, we've been quite harsh on Odegaard as well. And I wrote, I saw, um, you know, Tim Stillman wrote an interesting piece today about, you know, com compatibility, you know, players have different combinations. They, they thrive off playing with different types of players. And, you know, it was interesting, you know, we spoke about um, his time at Real Sociedad where he, he built up a really, really good relationship with Visak as well. Um, so maybe he's the sort of guy who needs a foil to play off. And, you know, Aubameyang's not necessarily that foil um, he's not going to bring people into the game as much as well. So it's all about, you know, reading each other's movements. And so so so, so we'll see. Um, I still think, yeah, there's, there's different ways to adapt depending on the opposition you play, but also the individuals you have at, have at your, your disposal as well, man. Um, so for me, it's more about, you know, what I said initially, having a bit more flexibility within the structure, because even though... We, we need more, we need a new striker, we need a new winger. I still think there's a lot more to harness from what we currently have at our disposal. You know, you know, we spoke it, uh, obviously we'll get onto it, you know, just using different players in different ways and, and how we utilise Martinelli when he came on at the weekend as well. So I think there's more that needs to come, um, but I still think there's more that can be harnessed from what we have currently at our disposal. Um, how we do it and how we balance it with, with AFCON remains to be seen. So, yeah, kind of uh, rounded way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, in it. So we'll, 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 we'll kind of see um, and we'll reevaluate again in like a month's time, I think. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's definitely, I think, one to watch. Uh, I mean, a lot of our chances of finishing higher up in the table will depend on this game tomorrow um i think if we manage to get a result being a point or a win um against united i think that can do a lot for confidence um it can do a lot for um you know just consistency of results because if you look at it after tomorrow we'd have played at old trafford etihad um and anfield you know, going into, you know, a Christmas period and then the rest of the season where we know that these guys have to um, come to the Emirates, you know. So I think that's three of the hardest games or the harder games that we're going to have to play all year. So that's definitely going to be in our favour. Um, I do think the Aubameyang uh, point is very, very interesting. So I'm on understat um, right now looking at his XG and in previously, I put out an article on Touchline Fracas saying that, you know, we're not creating chances for him. He's not doing enough, etc. But right now, his XG is actually the third highest it's been um, since he's been at Arsenal, which includes that sort of half season under Wenger. So he's actually getting 0.58 XG per 90, which is very, very good for any striker, which basically means... He's, he's about one and two, just over one and two. So, you know, looking at this over the course of the season, you'd expect him to really be hitting that 15 to 20 goals um, at the end of this season. And I think if he's able to hit that, then, um, you know, we can have a good season. At the end of the day, right now, I think he's on four goals. His XG is just over six, which includes um, the two penalties that he's missed. So he's, he's actually drastically underperforming um, his XG. So he should probably be on two more goals um, than what he actually is on. And Aubameyang, over the course of his career, has been that XG performer. So 
the chances he creates, uh, the chances we create for him is basically the the level that he he performs at. He's not like a ex, uh, spectacular finisher that's going to outperform his xG um, every year. So I do think that is maybe a little bit of a cause for concern. Um, but a li- something that does bring me encouragement. So I know there has been some down down talk on on uh, Gabriel Martinelli. You know, we've not really seen him for for too long. Um, but he got he got a little cameo uh, this weekend. He got to come on and play about 30 minutes um, on that right side with uh, replacing Saka. And for me, you know, I know even in our, our, our WhatsApp chat, there's been a lot of talk being like, mm, is this guy actually good? You know, um, what is he offering us? Is he even better than Inketia? Is he a striker? Is he a winger? Um, and that kind of thing. So Doc Lee... I think you are someone who say you don't like him on the wing, um, personally. You think that for him to reach his potential, he's got to be a number nine. Um, but in watching his movement um, from out to in on that right side, do you think there is potential for him to play as like a pure outlet on, on, on the flanks? Um, whew, it's a tough question, really. The, the thing about Martinelli and where he lacks is clear. He's, he's technically... He's, um, particularly in his first touch. So, like, people were comparing him a lot to Walcott, right? Now, Walcott was the weirdest player in the world in that everything he would do, his first touch would be shit, outside of a chance. Because when you actually watch Walcott, when he has to take a first touch and his next touch is to shoot, or he's taking a first touch in the box, his first touch was actually sick. It was actually good. Um, so the thing about Martinelli, and the, the reason that I, I mean, I proper, proper went on the hype train, man. I, I dedicated my Twitter account to him. I changed my I've been heavy and everything. I was like a full-on Martinelli stun account. But the thing I liked about him is, one, his athleticism and his electricity, because he had a great burst, and he created separation, came easy to him. And that's a very, very important part of being a striker. He... His movement in and around the box, meaning that he'd sniff out chances so he could create a lot of shots because it's really important for strikers to get a lot of shots. And he's the type of player who could get shots on goal. Probably part of those two reasons, separation and moving around the box. The second thing is he was a finisher and he was finishing really well. To be fair, he was playing with the second string team, but you could see the quality there and you could see the qualities there, sorry, um, which could lead him to be a very good striker. The issue is that I have, is in the modern day, particularly if you're playing in a team that dominates the ball, if you're a wide player, you're going to see a lot of the ball. And he's terrible on the ball. When he gets the ball, he, he his first touch is terrible. He can't dribble. He's losing. The ball's like running past the ball. Ball's going behind him. It, it, it's not good. It really isn't. And you can't carry a player like that wide in, in a modern game in the, a team that's trying to play the style that we want to play. Now, if we were playing a transition-type game, and we were a pressing team like Liverpool, for example, when Klopp came in originally before their revolution, that'd be a different story because I think he could be a transition monster. Um, even Despite his technical deficiencies, I think he could really be good. But in the way we're trying to play on the right wing, I, I just don't see it. I mean, you could just about justify him being a striker in that type of system based on what I imagined him in my head was being like a Vardy. Um, like a Jamie Vardy. That's that's what I had in my head. That's what I could see him as in, in in our type of system. But as a wide player, seeing that much of the ball out, out on the touchline, I don't see it. Even though he could be effective coming in as being a second like a second striker, coming in being a secondary goal scorer, playing as an inside forward, he could be effective in scoring goals. I can't say that. He's clearly got goals in him. But the technical deficiencies are too big for me. Um and they need a lot of work and a lot of improvement. And to be honest, what, what is he, like 20 years old by this time? Unless you, you're not going to get 20, 30% improvements, are you? It's going to be margins. So mm-hmm. I, ju- I just don't see it, man. And I feel like I, I fell into a little bit of a trap and got excited by the goal-scoring ability and the shot, the creating actions and all that type of stuff, which is good and he still has. But the technical deficiencies are quite large and he would have to do a lot of work to really stake his claim to be a first-team player at Arsenal. Impacts up, maybe, but will he be happy with that after his initial start? But a first-team player, first name on the team sheet, first eleven. I don't know, man. You've got to have more about you ability-wise. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, right? Because I'm looking at sofa score uh, and all this stuff, and and I'm, I'm looking at his, you know, sort of 
his his past completion, um, his looseness, dispossessed, all this stuff, possession lost. And so I'm comparing him. So this is this is a crazy, this is a crazy comparison. This is not me saying that he is as good as these players, but I look at it career-wise, um, Sadio Mane, he's passing at 75% per game. Um, he's losing the ball um, 15.2 times um, per game. Um, I'm looking at Salah. His career passing is at 81%, um, and he's losing the ball um, 15.6 times um per game and then if i look at um martinelli as well his career passing is 76 uh 76 and he's losing the ball 3.7 times a game right so you know um i think it does depend on the nature of our forward line so if you get a very very secure number nine, right? So say we decide to bin a Bamiyang, we get someone like Isak, who is technically probably one of the best number nines out there at the moment. Firmino type mold. Um, you get a Vlahovic, um, who you know we look at his link up play, and we're all we're all very impressed, um, despite what the stats say. I think you can afford to have. Um, a wide forward who's probably less secure on the ball. So we look at, you know, how Liverpool play. Um, they've, they've historically, you know, these uh, Liverpool fans, they're talking about Firmino coming into combined 11s over Burkamp, coming into combined 11s over Henri because of what he's offering to the side. You know, he's offering that security. He's offering the pressing. People can't do this. We're not going to have Kane in there because Firmino is irreplaceable. And I think if you go out and you get, one of these top elite nines who are very secure. They bring other players into the game. They drop deep to allow these runners, uh, it, these wide forwards to run in behind. I think you can deal with a wide player who loses the ball a bit more than what you can consider normal. You know, because when we had Walcott in the team, he was very frustrating to watch. I would admit that he was very, very frustrating to watch. When you had Van Persie there, who can drop in, even someone like Giroud, you know, who was, you know, he's a big target man, decent link-up, um, someone like him that drops in, um, you don't mind having an outlet like Walcott um, running there in behind. So I don't want to write Martinelli off as a right as a wide forward because um, looking at last season and looking at his stats, this is actually a big podcast that, that supports the FB Ref Gooners um, because I look at Martinelli, he only played 500 minutes the whole of last season, but he actually ended Europe, uh, ended the season with the highest non-penalty goals and assists in Europe um, per per 90, right? So we're looking at this guy and this guy has so much threat. So, you know, I think there was a comp that was floating around. This guy played 27 minutes on a weekend and you're seeing four or five different runs off the ball um, from him and we we class Aubameyang as this big off the ball mover you don't see the same movement you see this guy he's super sharp super threatening always wants to score always wants to go in behind so you know I'm not one I, I, I've not been one to give up on this guy's ability because for me I like all these technical security I like all these technical dribblers I like all these technical players but just give me threat over anything just give me a guy who continuously makes these runs continuously is pamming these defenders because you know I'm I'm a defender myself right and I play you know sub uh, a sub for for TLF you know I might play 90 minutes one week I might play 45 the other week and the guys that, the guys that I don't want to see are the guys who are constantly pamming me running in behind and I'm saying I'm I'm whispering in their ear giving them a pinch you know Luis Suarez tactics and I'm saying lads don't don't run please stop running I don't, I don't want to run, man. Just take it easy on me because, look, I'm an old man. I'm almost 30. Yeah, I'm not trying to do running. So when I see someone like Martinelli, who's making all these left-backs run, making all these right-backs run, you know, making these centre-backs move, that's who I want in the side because those are the people that no one wants to defend against. So I like, I like his style 
in the sense that he's never still, he's always a threat. He's always lively. He's always sharp to the ball. So I'm not trying to write him off, but Sheldon, let me bring you into this conversation. Um, Martinelli, what's your opinions on him? You know, do you think he's wide man? Do you think he's a striker? And how would you use him, I guess, for the rest of the season? Uh, I, for me, my my best iteration of him, similar to Leroy, was when he first came in to the team under Emery as a striker. Um, that said, I don't think he's an Arteta-type striker. I mean, obviously, a lot of us are doing projections on what an Arteta-type striker is, but in my mind, what I think Arteta wants is a Vlahovic-type striker, you know, a striker who is a post-up striker who can bring people into the game, but who can also move into the channels, who just who's a bit multifaceted, whereas, you know, Martinelli is more in the mould of Avadi who wants to get in behind and just clap. Um, so I feel like in, yeah, an Arteta system, he may best be used. I, I always thought, obviously, he'd be used from the left, but I thought, find the right was interesting in terms of the utilisation of him at the weekend because, you know, similar to how Walcott is, he's not someone you want heavily involved in build-up because he's, he's just not that guy, right? You, you can you can see it. That's That's not his game. However... Like you said, what he does pretty much better than anyone else in the squad is the way he attacks space. Um, and, and, and you know, you saw that for the second goal, you know, that reminded me so much of, you know, so many goals Walcott used to score for us, you know, just in terms of moving in off the right, um, you know, into a second sort of second striker position and making that run off the ball. So I, I did, I feel like that would be an interesting way to use him. Um Obviously, I'd only be using him there if Saka is not available because obviously I'd just keep Saka on the right. Um, so a lot depends on what, what happens with Saka tomorrow. It's it's a tough one because for me, stylistically, I'm not keenest on him. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge threat, right? Threat is, is, is the most important thing in football. Um, and it will be interesting to see how it goes because my opinion is that I think Arteta will sign a striker and a winger next summer. Um, so that then raises questions again like, what happens with him. But then you'd assume, hopefully, we, we're in Europe, so there's a lot more game time to go around next season. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a slow burner for him. Um, but the fact that I think Arteta gave him a new contract, I think Arteta does like him. I just think he's, you know, just very particular in how he wants to use him. Um, and I think that will end up being a, some sort of outlet or, or win a long term. You know, even if you look this season... You look how Pep's been using Gabriel Jesus. You know when Gabriel Jesus first joined City, he was a, he was a striker in it. But um, this season, he's been played played as like a, a touchline winger. But he, he's also getting in behind. So um, yeah, you, you know these sort of managers they like to experiment and, and move people about, dependent on game state and opposition. So um, I feel like he's going to be sort of like an ace in the pack, um, a wild card sort of wide forward who can be used in a variety of different. Um, positions depending on the circumstance and on what the team requires. Yeah, fair play, man, fair play. Um, and the last point I want to talk about this Newcastle match, just before I move on to the United game, um, is the defence, right? So um, I do want to give a shout out to Ben White, Gabriel Tomiyasu um, and Tavares, because I think... If you look at this game, um, Tavares in particular was one I think people were not predicting to start. Um, made that mistake against Liverpool. People said, mm, yeah, it's probably time um, for Tierney to come back. He's played one game too many. Um, that error was something that was coming um, based on the style of play that he has, etc. Um, Arteta decided to stick with him, though. Um, and I think he said... In his press conference, this is the type of culture that we're trying to um, we're trying to create. You know, I want to give faith uh, and give confidence to these young players that you know, if you're playing in a way that I want you to, and you make a mistake, that doesn't mean you're going to lose your place. Um, and he said, Tierney missed some games because he was injured. Tavares has played enough um, and well enough for him to keep his place, so he's kept him in. Um, and what do you guys feel? Um, firstly, about that Tavares decision, decision to keep playing him. And I guess we can loop Lukonga in there as well, because I think he came under the same um, sort of scrutiny as Tavares making a mistake at Anfield. Um, and then let's talk about the defence and how you feel about the defence more generally. Um, Doc Lee, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, in terms of the Tavares decision, I completely understand it. 
Um, I feel like if he took him out after that game, because you don't know when he's going to go back in again, because Tierney would come back in and Tierney would ideally probably, well, would probably stay in until he gets injured again. That could be 10, 15 games. It will feel like, yeah, one mistake and you're dropped. And then that can be really disheartening for a player because you can then start to feel like you, he's got no faith in me. And I feel like Tavares is not one of those backups where you know that he kind of like you know that Cedric he knows as a backup and he's staying as a backup. I feel like he's getting Tavares is one of those players that Mikel likes clearly, and he wants to make sure he feels a part of the group rather than just tossing him to the side. And he's also probably because of his age thinking about developing from the the medium and long term. So I, I feel that was just a vote of confidence in it. It's a game that was probably a low risk game. I mean Newcastle, we we, we were supposed to beat them. Do you know what I mean? Because if he then now takes him out and puts Tierney in for the United game, it's not so bad. But then if he took him out of that game and then he doesn't play him in another 10 games, it's, it's a little bit peak for him. Do you know what I mean? So I, I feel like it's a calm decision. It is interesting because I've seen a lot of people, particularly in the Touch of Gunas chat, who are, who are feeling Tavares. They're feeling the boy, man. They're, they're liking what they're seeing. And, and to be honest, I'm seeing not just on there and on Twitter, I'm seeing a little bit of Tierney disrespect, which I don't like because Tierney is a fantastic fullback and he's a fantastic player. And I feel like just because he's been out and injured and he hasn't played the best this season, people are forgetting how good he can be and how effective he can be. So, um, but I do appreciate that Tavares, even though he's raw and he's quite loose in terms of his passing and in his, in terms of his technical ability, in terms of his final, in the final 30s, not really accurate with his crossing and stuff. He's got a lot of attributes and he's got a lot of strength to play. Like this is what I was saying about the defense in general. We've got well-rounded players who can do a lot of stuff because one thing I say about a fullback is a fullback who can dribble opens a different dimension because when you can actually, as your fullback, become a disruptor, take people out of the game so you can, Take a, take a man out by skill and dribbling or chop on the inside and come on the inside and take a man out. That changes everything because, again, as you were saying, it breaks structure. It makes things unpredictable. And that's a big, big part of modern day attack. And it's a big, big weapon. And as good as Tierney is in terms of his, the basics, he doesn't have that in his locker. Like, facts, he just doesn't. So I can see how Tavares can open up another attacking threat that Tierney doesn't have. So it is nice to have different attributes. But from the defence of a whole, I love what I'm seeing. I mean, like Betty Blanco and fucking Gabriel, they're, they're, they're building a really good partnership. Gabriel is a fucking colossus, bro. Gabriel is a absolute colossus because that guy just dominates everybody. Like, who, who have you seen have Gabriel up since he's been in? And even when he was playing bad, Fam, and this is this is the thing that I see here, is that every single week, Mikel Antonio is fisting someone, yeah? And all I know is my centre-back passed that Antonio test. You get he me? gave he passed, me business. He passed that Antonio test, man. He just, he's just like, you can't you can't fist me. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and I think Old Trafford, as well, was one of Gabriel's first performances. And he, he passed that with flying colours, you know, like... Rashford couldn't have him. Greenwood tried to do a cute little nutmeg, but he got fisted. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Matic tried a little thing and, and in, in the penalty box, fisted, cleaned up. So, Gabriel, he's, he's... Do you know what? I'm keeping it easy. You know, Lewis said a few statements at the start of last season yeah. um, that I think, you know, at the time, the, the streets weren't ready for. But yeah, yeah. Come the end of the season, you know, I think oh, there's a few statements, that make, few statements that need to be made. I've got I've got a couple of tweets and drafts still. Like, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. And the thing is, what I love about him is he he's on, like, you know, you know, like, you know, back in the day, your boy that was on beef. So any beef that was there, your boy was there. What, what's the beef? What's the beef? He was there. Like, he is, he relishes the physical battle. Like, he's the first one there. It's like... You know, like a guy who just talks trash in their ears, like, oh, so what is it today? Like, he's on it, and I, I love that about him, and he's fantastic, honestly. I think that that guy, and what is he, 23? 20, yeah, 23. Yeah, I think he's turning 24 this December. Mm. Well, and, and and to be fair, we can tell he's on beef. We just saw the, the, the info, someone tried to rob his house, and, you know, he tried to rob a Brazilian from a favela, mate. He's going to fight you, boy. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really my man had a baseball bat, and he still punched him up. Fam, 
Finish them, you know. Who needs Kalasnach these days? You know what I mean. So, <laughs> and and then, then I want to give a shout out to Ben White and uh, White by shout out. I probably mean even I've done it already. An apology because and it's just clear that I, I mean you watch Brighton now and again and you see highlights, but you, you don't know players as well as the people who watch him every week. And when you start watching him every week, he has done so much better than I expected. He's re- he is a good defender, um, and he he's definitely outdone my expectations. Fantastic player. He's done really well this season. So, um, yeah, no complaints, man. The defence the defense is good. I, I just want to see these similar upgrades made to midfield and, and attack. If we, we've changed the defence personnel, let's let's see it to midfield and attack. And I know that might mean ESR and uh, Saka might have to sit down now and again, but I think we need to see it. That's fine, man. Yeah. Yeah, and Sean, so let's let's move on to the United match. We, we're, we're, we're 50 minutes in. Let's let's preview that game. Obviously, we've done the fight card. That was that was banter, you know, this, that, and the other. But let's let's talk seriously about this game. You know, this is a huge game, I think, um, in our season. Uh, spoken before, we're five points ahead of them at the moment. We win, it becomes eight points, and you know, that's a that's a serious gap going into the second half of the season. So, you know, um, how do you see this game going? How do you think? We should approach this lineup potentially. It's tough, man. It's tough. I was I saw Arteta's press conference earlier today, and he said, and I think he alluded to the fact that you just don't know what United are going to do. Um, obviously, they had Ole, they were doing the five at the back. Even in you know um, Carrick's first two games, he's changed formation twice. So as you know, as an opposition manager, it's hard to plan because you don't have a lot of data or a lot of reference points. All you know is that United have a lot of quality up top. And, you know, they could put any sort of four or five. They, I think we said in the group chat earlier on, United have like nine, ten attacking players. Do you know what I mean? So there's so many, there's such a wide variety of attackers they have. They could pretty much do anything. So you just got to try and prepare as well as you can accordingly because you don't, you don't know what you're going to be facing. Um, so I feel like, obviously, in the previous two games against Villarreal and Chelsea, they were quite cautious. They were quite compact. And they were just waiting for opportunities in transition. Um, now, obviously, those are two away games. So now they're at home. So you might think they might try to be a bit more expansive. Um, and they need the win. So they might come out us uh, a bit more. So you'd like to hope maybe there's a, there's a bit more room to exploit. And, you know, we can maybe have some um, fun in transition ourselves. Um, but it's hard to know. It's, it's, it's hard to plan for. I think we can only account for ourselves and just make sure we prepare accordingly. Um, obviously we hope Saka's fit um, if he's not fit that will raise an interesting point in terms of who Arteta chooses to go for will he put Martinelli use him as an outlet and try and build up on the left through ESR and Erdegaard or you know will he go light for light with Pepe I don't think I don't think that would be the case you know Pepe's only played five minutes in the last five games so it is pretty evident he's pretty much fallen well out of favour with Arteta um, and this is even before AFCON as well so yeah, I don't know, man. Or it might be a game where I hope he doesn't do it. You know, he moves Oba back to the wing. And I, I don't think any of us really want to see that at this stage, to be fair. So um, a few different options in terms of what he could go for. But yeah, obviously, in an ideal world, the ideal one is that Saka's just fit and we go with that. Um, I, I, I'm not see, I'm not sure I'm going to see that much in terms of changes. We might see Tierney, but then we thought we'd see Tierney at the weekend and we didn't. So um my prediction is sort of like an unchanged team actually assuming Saka's fit I think he'll keep it the same um there is an argument again maybe Ainsley could come in um to the midfield but I thought Lukonga was really really I actually thought in my opinion he was man of the match on Saturday against Newcastle and I've, I've been quite critical of him just because I found him very very timid every time I've watched him um and you know I'm looking to see more personality from him and you know um, fair play to be fair, Vincent Company has said he, he's a very brave player. Um, so, and you know, I saw a bit more of an expansion. You know, there were two really good passes he played to Saka on Saturday, which opened my eyes a bit more. And I'm like, okay, so you do have a bit more of an expansive range and, and you can play for, you know, there was that big, you know, the, the diagonal over the top in behind the back of the defence where Saka ran into. Then there was also a reverse pass he played to Saka that led to that other chance as well. So I think they said he had like six key passes on Saturday against Newcastle. So um, hopefully he's coming into his his own a bit more. What I do like about him, he does seem to have, um, and maybe it's the same with Tavares as well, they do seem to have a mentality where they're quick learners. So they might make mistakes, but, you know, 
they're young they will make mistakes so it's about you seeing them learning from their opportunities trying to show you more the next game so i was quite encouraged with that so um i i assume he'd be kept in again um tomorrow so hopefully man i even obviously i'm hoping we can win it'd be great to you know when can we ever say nothing i can ever say like pretty much in my lifetime that we've had two wins in a row in the in old trafford you know i mean in the league so i don't think it even happened under venga so um, this would be great if we could really do that. And like you said, it would really help to put a gap between us and United because I've seen United's next fixtures after our game. Very, very easy fixtures. I sort of expect at some point United are going to go on a massive run. Um, so if we can try and put some distance in between ourselves before that happens, um, I think that would be good. I mean, a draw is not the worst result yesterday, tomorrow anyway, because it still maintain a five-point gap. But a win would really, really enhance. And I think, as Leroy said, instill a lot of confidence within the squad as well. It's a young squad and um, we need like, you know, winning big games instills confidence as well. So it'd be a big, big win for us, even though United have been down in the dumps recently still. To go to Old Trafford at any point and get a win is massive. Mm. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that a lot because I think, you know, Old Trafford is probably the ground where we have actually done okay um, in terms of big away, away ground since... Since Wenger's left, I think we're unbeaten there in the last three seasons. Um, one win, two draws, um, and then obviously unbeaten in six games um, against United. I think this would be, I think I've seen Albino tweet this, um, if we actually do escape defeat, this will be the first time ever in history that we've gone four games without losing at Old Trafford, you know. So this is a big, big ask um, this ask or something that you know no Arsenal team has ever done before, you know. Um, so it's a massive place to go um, off the record that we have gone there with. So Doc Lee, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts on you know how we should shape up and how you think we're going to do there as well. What against United, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I definitely think. I mean, the backfire picks itself definitely. Um, provided party in the Congo fit, I think that picks itself as well. Um, I, I would go with those two. Now, the, the interesting one, I mean, I think the only decision to make is um, Odegaard or Lacazette. I would be looking to press the fuck out of Man United um, um, because I just feel like their back four is really gettable. Um, I, I feel like if we start like uh, quite a high intensity and we need to get the first goal, um, the thing about United is when I know that leaves us vulnerable because they're in a fantastic counter-attack inside. Um, but I just I back our players in terms of the recovery pace and stuff to to kind of match them going backwards. And I just feel like the first goal in that game is so so crucial because I feel like if we score the first goal against United, I think I think we've got them. I think, I think they'll crumble. So um, I, I would start really fast, start with Lacazette up top, press the fuck out of them, try and get the first goal, and then I'll try and pick them off from there. That's that's exactly how I play the game. Mm. Yeah, fair play, man. Fair play. And I think you know, just looking at our team, looking at who's available. I know Saka's a bit of a doubt. Um, if Saka's fit, obviously for me he plays. Um, I, I really, really like what he's doing this season from that right wing. Um, and I would keep uh, Lacazette, or not keep, but I'd start Lacazette as the 10. I agree with Leroy there um, in terms of the pressing game and how we played against uh, United under Arteta. I don't think that they have the players to deal with that press um, and they struggle to play out um, from the press. You look at the likes of Maguire, the game that he got himself sent off. It's, it's, it's a bit of minor pressure. Um, he couldn't hack it. He got sent off. Um, Lindelof, the the less said, the better. Wan-Bissaka, same thing. Tellez, I think he's a nice FIFA player, but, you know, you watch him in real life. This guy sucks ass, man. He's, he's terrible. So, you know, De Gea doesn't have that uh, distribution. And then midfield is the midfield, you know. McTominay, he likes to hide. Fred, I do think there's probably a player in there but we've rarely seen him um, for United. So I do think that there is an opportunity there for us to just sort of really cause their defence a bit of issues. I would love to see Saka play right wing um, and really cook Tellez and Maguire um, if Maguire is going to play. Um, I think Bailly uh, is probably a bit more of um, a proper defender, someone who's a bit more imperious 
Um, even though, you know, he has got the Bozo gene, I do just think he's a better defender than um, Harry Maguire. So, you know, those uh, are, are some of the things that I'd like to see. And I think if Saka is out, I would like to go with um, probably Lacazette up top, Odegaard in the hole, and Martinelli play from the right. Um, I do think we saw it last season where, um, you know, Lacazette was starting up top. He enjoyed sort of that combination play with uh, Smith Rowe, with Saka, um, and some of these guys that ran in behind. So I'd like to try and replicate that a little bit and have these players moving off Lacazette. Um, so you have them sort that sort of the two creators and two um, finishers uh, as as you would um, with Martinelli playing on the right. And I think Martinelli. Um, is someone that I want to see play a bit more with our so-called first string of players, you know. So when we saw him in his first season, I think he was very sharp, um, a good finisher, very um, active. And where we've seen him since he's come back from his injury, it's, it's very much been, you know, sort of second string performances in the League Cup, in the Europa League and that kind of thing. And so I'd like to see him play with some of our better players and see what he can do. Um, and I think his runs in behind... You know, that's that sort of the thing that causes uh, Maguire um, a lot of issues. And then obviously, I do have to give respect to Man United. Um, one player that I'm very, very scared of is Ronaldo. You know, before he went um, to Madrid, this guy was one of the biggest thorns in our side. You know, we've seen him dunk on us at Highbury. He knows what it means to play against Arsenal. So I do think at the other end, we do need to be... Um, quite sharp, alive to his threat, alive to his movement, because, you know, he he's still at age 36, one of the best forwards um, in the world. So before we wrap this up, um, let's get some score predictions um, from the pair of you. So United versus Arsenal at Old Trafford, Thursday night, under the lights, Old Trafford, you know, the Mancunian's been drinking all day uh, and whatnot, right? It's going to be a bubbling atmosphere. Leroy, what's what's your prediction for this game? One one. One one. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Sean? I was gonna say the exact same one one. One one. I would, I'd like obviously I <laughs> I just don't have it in me to, to say we're gonna yeah. we're gonna get a second win at Old Trafford in a row. I, I'd love it, but yeah, man. Logically, I'd I'd say one one. And you know what? If we come out with one one, I'm not even gonna be unhappy. So yeah. Yeah, it's a techie one. The thing is, I'm I'm going to the game. This is going to be one of my... This is my third away game in the UK, right? And let me tell you guys, just on the record, my away record in the UK is, is not good. It's a 5-0 aggregate score against. Yeah, so I was there at the... Wait, is it 5-0? Yeah, 5-0. I was there at the 4-0 uh, when Southampton packed us on Boxing Day over many years ago. And I was there 1-0 away at Stoke. Jesse Rodriguez, his only goal in the Premier League. Yeah, so... Um, on, on, on Boxing Day, yeah, you left your rice and Ayamashe to go and see us get packed um, 4-0 by Southampton. It was, it was peak. I went, with, <laughs> I, went with Toby's, I went with Toby's twin brother. No. Yeah, this was one of the worst days of my life. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> um, you said so, home, man. this, man. Yeah, so, I so I, I'm going to say I'm a, I'm, I'm a bad luck charm, yeah? So, you know... I don't I'm even know. Considering you're about, I don't know why you'd say that to us right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be honest. I need to be honest, but I'm gonna. I actually think. Uh, I actually think it's gonna be an L for us. You know, um, yeah. I think United are gonna win two one. Um, yeah. I just don't think. Worry, man. We've, in a touch of Gunas group, we've got bear prayer and worship, man. You, you see what I'm <laughs> hey, Sean, yeah, I need you to link praise and worship uh, tonight and then tomorrow as well. well yeah, so. uh, I'll lead it in the morning. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think 2-1 to United. I just think, you know, their attack is a bit, it's a bit techie. It's a bit techie. I can see us conceding from a set piece or something like that. So, you know, I hope we win, but I'm not, I'm actually not that hopeful. I'm just going there for the vibes. Um, so Sean, Doc Lee, um, thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking to you guys tonight. Um, and thank you everyone for, for listening, but we'll, we'll leave it there and hopefully, you know, we'll speak again after a big Arsenal win at Old Trafford and we dunk on their heads, man. So peace out. Peace. <sighs>
Podcast Network.